They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we uh, thank you for the opportunity to come before you and to come before the presence of the Lord. Thank you for your word as it leads us and guides us, instructs us. And we uh, give us open ears to hear what you would have to say to us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. So, I was going to begin with some poetry. <clears throat> oh, wait, what, what is this? What is this? Um, I, I, I don't know how this got here. I, uh, was there... Huh. Is there a game today? I, you know, I heard about someone talking about some super cup. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't really play handball. I don't know. I, um, I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how it got in there. It must have been my son. I, uh, but, uh, on a serious note, John Dunn. We'll listen to some poetry. You know, no man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. As well as if a promontory were, as well as the manner of thine friends or thine own were, every man's death diminishes me, for I am a part of mankind. Therefore, send not to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. And in a similar thought, in the words of Paul Simon, I've built walls, a fortress deep and mighty, that none may penetrate. I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's laughter and it's loving I disdain. I am a rock. I am an island. They actually are really saying the same thing, aren't they? In quite the opposite ways. Our desire and our temptation to think of ourselves as islands, that we can be separate from the rest, and both of them are saying, no, you can't. You are not an island. You are part of a greater you know, community. Um, and I think when they wrote, they saw the temptation at their time, even back in 1600 or the 60s, I don't think either one of these guys could have even imagined the kind of culture we have today of independence or even the temptations within our culture to make us independent, separate from one another. I mean, I think about like, you know, even like working from home. What a crazy, I mean, I'm not arguing that you shouldn't do it, but you are so separate from everyone else. It's just you and this little screen. And think about technology, right? People were nervous about telephones because it was... Uh, it was just a disembodied voice. What kind of 
communication and communion can you have with a disembodied voice? Boy, that's nothing, right? <laughs> Talk about email, a text. A text. That is as disembodied as it gets. They go, oh, no, no, no. I'll put an emoji on. <laughs> yeah, that's incarnational. An emoji. You know, that's, that's fantastic. They go, no, no, no. I put a selfie on. I put a selfie. Get a little photo. Right? What have we learned about photos and Facebook and all that? Boy, what a wonderful way to present a non-reality and to hide behind and actually even a lie about yourself which you hide behind. You know no one, no one knows you. So isolated. Yet we're called to be in community. This is how we're created to be. You know, we're going through a series now of going through our new vision and mission statements. And being and a vision and mission is like, what do you want to be? You know, what are we trying to be as a church? And what do we want to be doing? You know, we want to be a vibrant community being changed by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, boldly following God into the world. And what are the kind of things we want to find ourselves doing? You know, we want to be actively engaging with God and his word, fostering a caring community of disciples of Jesus, bringing God's healing to our hurting world, inviting our neighbors to follow Jesus with us. And as we've been looking at each one of these, we're all saying, uh, we've kind of, uh, the leadership team has set a number of goals. You know, what does this look like? You know, what are we trying to achieve in that? And it's not what, you, what you've done already or what you are, but it's what you're pointing towards as a community. What do we want to become as a church? And so we've been going through these um, bit by bit. We went through the actively engaging with God. We want to be people who actively engage with the living God. We want to be people who are actively engaged with the scriptures. They're known as the word of God. You know, who, who understand it, who live it. You can see the world through the lens of God. And today we want to talk about this idea that we want to be fostering a caring community of disciples of Jesus. Which really has two big pieces there, right? A community which is both supportive and caring, but it's not a community as an end, right? A community with a very purpose, a community of people who are trying to follow Jesus as his disciples. So that's what we're talking about today. Why community? Why is this an important piece of it of what we want to be doing? And uh, now in scripture, community, I think, is the presumptive, the presumptive context for our faith. And we're going to talk a little bit about how it's the presumptive context for our faith and why it's so important and why we resist it today. So why community? So as I said first, it's the presumptive context for our faith. Um, you know, as, as uh, Catherine read, you know, those accepted the message, 3,000 people come to the Lord on, on, uh, on Pentecost, and what's the first thing they do? <laughs> Gather together. And what are some of the things that are accomplished in that, in that community? It says they devoted themselves to apostles' teachings, to fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer, I mean, think about how, how much you naturally need community, right? Teaching, right? What just happened? You had this crazy experience with God. You've given your life to him. And you think, yes, you need to know, what does that mean? You know, what does it mean to follow him? How do I follow him? You need community naturally to hear teaching. I mean, how could you, you, you it's not on your own. You don't know everything, you know? You need teachers, uh, fellowship, prayer. I mean, and prayer is not, it's not you, you pray on your own. But we're to pray for one another and with one another, to pray together, have con- communion is really that word, fellowship with one another, community. And uh, what else happens in that community? Everyone's filled with awe, wonders, and miraculous signs were done. By coming into that thing, they got to watch the activity of God in a way they could not have watched 
on their own. <clears throat> I don't know if you feel like that when you're in a community group, you're with others. You know, God may do certain things in your life which you get a chance to see. I actually think everybody sees their own little things that God is active. But when you're together, you suddenly hear them all. And it's just like, wow, God is doing so many things in so many people's lives. And you're encouraged and you're strengthened. And you're actually confirming that work also in other people's life. But on your own, you just see something and you're wondering, was that God or am I crazy? You know, is that, is that fair? Is that a reasonable thing to think that? Boy, this is an amazing thing happened. But when you're together, man, you just start to go, wow, here's how he's acting, answering prayers, doing so many things. But you need community to see that. Apart from community, God seems far less active. Um, all believers were together having everything in common, selling their possessions and goods, giving to everyone they had, had a need. It was a natural part of community, was what suddenly these people who had more, others who had less, and they come together and they share and they see who has need. You need community to do that. And people are realizing, wow, what I have is actually from God and it is the Lord's. I need to be in community by which to even share with others, to see where the need is, to take what I have and bring it in. You need community for that. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. These people who essentially met, <laughs> around by these thousands of people who come to the Lord, every day they are now meeting together and gathering and worship and praise. You know, breaking breads in their homes as well, not just in the temple. In their homes, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. What an amazing thing is that the joy that comes from community, the joy of people coming together. Uh, <clears throat> I, I swear, remember, you know, we, this country has a massive you know, problem with uh, depression. And most people I know who are, who are struggling with depression are doing it alone. Or actually in the act of depression, what do they do? They often pull themselves away. It rarely happens in with others. You can, and you pull away. But I'm just saying it's a, there's a real uh, joy and gladness and encouragement that naturally happens around one another. And I like this line where it says, enjoying the favor of all people. As you understand, in order for God, and in some ways you form, a community forms a visible witness to others. You know, they, it's, it's a testimony. And you need these collective communities by which God sort of proclaims it to the world. And they see this witness test, you know, this, this community that does that. It's hard for them to see individual here, 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 here. He's a collective. That's, how, that's one reason why, again, the presumptive assumption in Scripture is community for, the, you know, for how we live out our faith. And lastly, the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. So that was the body by which when God was acting in people's lives and drawing them to himself, they needed a place to take them to the community. Again, this may all seem obvious, but it, you just have to, so many people don't see community as the presumptive, they can live out their faith on their own. You actually can't. I don't care that you watch Joel Osteen. It doesn't, you know, that's not living the Christian faith on any number of levels. But behind a TV in particular. By the way, I heard that um, he saw his shadow. And so, no, I'm joking. It's a, it's a, it's a gr- Never mind. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I wasn't even going to say that. That wasn't part of the thing. It just happened. I need a better filter. All right. So community is the context of the Christian life. You know, some, what are the things happening there? We see gathering regularly, hearing the word of God, worship, 
prayer, sharing of resources, giving to those in need, praising God, witness to the world, where God sends those coming to faith. That's all there in Acts chapter 2. So the question I would have is, you look at all that stuff and say, how else does all that stuff happen outside of community? How, you know, there's just no other context by which the, the, the natural way in which we live our life before God can happen, outside of being connected to one another. And you look at passages. There's so many passages throughout the New Testament where God's saying, here's the kind of life you're supposed to live. It's, it's unfathomable unless you have people to do it with. Look at Romans 12, right? How do you think about this in any way other than with someone else? You know, he's talking about how you use your gifts, right? It says, if it's in serving, let them serve. Who are you going to serve? If it's teaching, let them teach. Who are you teaching? You know? um, if it's encouraging, let them encourage. Who? If it's contributing to the needs of others, you better have some needs of others. Let them give generously. If it's in leadership, let them govern diligently. Uh, if it's a showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. Be devoted to one another. In brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Living the Christian life on your own, that is, that is a nonsensical passage. You know, it presumes you are together and that God is using you in the lives of others. And essentially, as I'm telling you to, a life to live, it's in the context of towards others. So if we are to live in community... So the question is, why is community so critical? We see the context, it's presumed context, and we're here a little bit, but let's, talk, let's, let's probe that a little bit more as to the why. Well, we are created to be in community. It's actually how we are. We're not created to be isolated. We're created as a community. You know, um, Paul hits on this in 1 Corinthians, and I just want to give a little bit of context before we look at that passage. In um, the Roman world, one of the... Uh, key gods, or one of the most popular gods, was a word, I, I, can't, I think it's Asclepius, if anyone knows it better, uh, Asclepius, the god of medicine or god of healing. And you can imagine it's a very popular god for devotion off because you know, we'd have ill problems a lot and we're scared. We go and make offerings to him. Well, in Corinth, where that letter was, there actually was one of his big temples, a temple of healing. And they've excavated it and the archaeological work at this huge temple, you know, major, major temple in Corinth. And you know what they found? They found hundreds and hundreds of body parts. And they're not like physical parts like bones. These are like statues. And they're not, and they're not statues broken apart. The statue was like an arm, a foot, a hand, a leg, all these hundreds and hundreds of these parts. They keep finding them everywhere. And it's funny that this appears to be what Paul is perhaps referencing in the letter to the Corinthians when he talks about his analogy of the body. You know, um, he says, you know, the body, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Um, oops, I skipped the first bit, I'm sorry. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not be for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? 
As it is, there are many parts but one body. It almost sounds like he's referencing this idea that we walk around as if we're just that little hand over here, or we're that foot over there, or we're that leg here. We're just all these different parts. And he says, no, 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 no. We're not like that temple over there. We're all a bunch of different parts. We are a body together. And it's not just saying, and you see, community there is not the idea that, hey, let's all just get together and live life together. He says, in your essence, you are actually a body with different functions. You know, an, an eye, a nose, a he- an ear, foot, hand, thoroughly different, but designed to operate together. That's the idea of the why of community. You know, we live in a culture which is, um, we, see, we see the gifts we have, or what other people have, and what are we filled with? We're filled with jealousy because we want every gift. We want every ability. We want to be like everyone else. And the people who have their gifts and abilities, what do they do? They seek to monetize it. <laughs> How can I best take my gifts and abilities and make it so I have more money and I have more security, I have more of that, as opposed to thinking it's actually, that's not the purpose of it. I mean, as Paul said earlier, there are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? For the common good. You know, each one of these gifts is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And each one's given a different piece, and they fit together as one. That's why you need to be, that's why it's community, right? Community, common unity. Right? We, each one of these things are meant to be together. So it's not yours. Right? You are made differently. Every single person here is made differently. And we're designed and created to then fit together. We are in our essence a unity. And when we take ourselves out of the unity, we become like that temple and just become a foot sitting over there. You know, or we become a hand over there. Or a leg over there. And Paul's saying, no, no, no. We are one. So we are created to be in community. We are given gifts with which to serve one another. And if you even want to go deeper in your theology of community, there's this idea of one Holy Spirit is existing in all people. Oftentimes, we, and we, I know our theology doesn't say this, but I think functionally we think, well, we come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells in me, and I have my Holy Spirit, he has his Holy Spirit, you have your Holy Spirit, and together we have a whole bunch of spirits together, and we're just these totally spiritual people all gathered together. As opposed to saying there's actually one Holy Spirit which we become partakers of. So the idea is that it's one. And we are, in essence, actually a community. It's an amazing thing. We are actually connected. That is what we are. The one Spirit. And that's why it's also why he says it's so, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That, that's what's so terrible when people are having a conflict in the body. Because it's actually the one spirit, you're actually breaking that apart. In some ways, you need to submit to that spirit within you and at the heart of that unity of a body. So it should be natural that everybody just lives in community, right? And everyone's always lived in community as believers? It doesn't happen that way, does it? Even the scriptures talk about that. In Hebrews, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Right? As a body, we're trying to spur each other on. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. It's a problem back then, right? We know we're one. They gather together. We come to faith. And then slowly we kind of get bored with meeting together and go off. He says, don't do that. 
That's the temptation for all of us, to kind of walk away from community. To go, you know, to even to have come and then begin to filter away, not give up the habits. It's all the more, let us encourage one another. We need community to spur each other on. That's one reason also, when you're on your own, you just, you know, between the, the devil, the world, and the flesh, you will not be able to follow him. You will, you need to be, you need to spur others on, and others need to spur you on. This is how we live our walk. We need each other. We need community. Because I think we all know there's times when you're up and there's times when you're down. There's times when you're strong and there's times when you're tempted. And you know something, it doesn't all happen together <laughs> at the same time. This is one reason we build each other up. So one of the questions I have is why do we, why do we resist community? Because I think we all do, actually. I think we all at one point can say intellectually we know we want it and it's really good and it's important. We, actually, no one says they don't want friendships and they don't want to be with others. No one says that, right? And, and we all know it. But yet we often live a life which is very different from that, right? We know we want to be with people. We even complain that we don't have deep relationships. But at the same time, we actually live these independent lives that resist community. At least I'm convinced of that. And what are some of the reasons we do it? And I think there's a lot of reasons we could spend multiple... I'm just going to touch on a couple. Um, and we talked about our, we live in a culture which really pulls us away from one another, you know, by its very nature. I mean, we talk about the survivalist, no-commitment culture. I mean, we live in a culture of vocational idolatry, you know. Um, you, that is the greatest ideal, you know, what you can achieve in that job and that career. And whatever it takes, you don't, you know, community gets in the way of that. You know, people just leave one place to go to school over here or go to a thing, move over here to go to a job. Whatever community relations you had, that all means so much less than getting out there. And, you know, that is the ultimate goal. And I'm not saying it's ever wrong to move for your job or something like that. But sometimes people, that is the ultimate thing. That is the number one most important thing to do. And you chase that goal no matter what it breaks you down. It's just, and it's and survivalist. I mean, we have some friends who, um, it actually was ironic, is he decided not to pursue all these vocational advancements he could do because of the tightness of his church community and how much it meant to them as a family. And people were like, that's radical. But he's thinking, no, I mean, yeah, my, my job is important, advancements, but it's, with, it's within the other priorities. You know, it has its place. You know, it's not the ultimate to chase, to give up everything for that. And this uh, survivalist no-commitment thing is, is hard because, you know, it's, it's kind of frightening the way our social contract is kind of broken down in our country. You know, no employer owns an, owes an employee anything. That employee knows, owes nothing to an employer. You know, you are on your own, and you're only as good as what you can do. And you stop being able to do that, everyone feels that. Man, I'm just saying that's our culture, and that pulls you apart. That makes you a survivalist. You know, that makes you scared. And I think all of us kind of, and part of living out of the community and all independently is it's very scary, and we feel very vulnerable. And, but that's part of our culture is pulling this. We do it to ourselves as well, though. I don't want to say it's just culture. But we need to understand this is what our culture does to us. I think, in the, I think um, as far as individually, I think, you know, we love our independence, don't we? That has nothing to do with our culture. And so, I mean, our culture could be encouraging it. But I think this is the same thing that John Donne dealt with in 1600. You know, we don't like to be reliant on others. We don't like to, you know, we like to have it our way. We are a rock, we're an island, I need nobody, no one touches me. Other people inhibit the life I want to live and what I want to do. 
you know, we like that. We like not having to sacrifice. I think one of the issues is community really requires submission. All relationships require submission. You may not like that word, but, uh, you know, any relationship you want to have, if you want to have a tight relationship with someone, you have to submit what you want to the other. You want to be married? You've got to submit, you know, your own gifts, your abilities to the other and to your family. And a lot of people, they don't submit. They want, they want the relationships. They want to have friends. They want to have deep, meaningful things. They want to have people who care about them and they can care for others, but they don't want to submit to it. And they find that they walk around and they don't have any of these deep relationships. Man, one person, um, it's crazy. Every time I see her, I know she's going to tell me two things. A, about all these people who disappointed her and all these new people who are great. And the next time I see all those new people are great, we'll have shifted to the category of having disappointed her, and she'll have a new people who are great. You know? And at some point you go, you know, when everyone disappoints you, it might be you. You know? <laughs> some of these relationships, it's like, you know, because what everyone needs to do things for you, right? Because it's about you. you no, know, no, it's about a submission to it. And in community, if you want to live in community, you have to submit. It's not all your way, is it? You have to submit to others, to the cares of others, uh, to doing things not your way. It happens in every way. I mean, think about when people give, right? A lot of people want to give. I've heard people give to a church, and, but they want to control where that money goes. I go, that's not giving. That's spending. You know? <laughs> right? that's just, you, know you, you give in. You submit. You're, you're giving unto God to this you know, community. And, and giving is not, and, and submitting is not all about deferring. I know people here who, who submit their leadership gifts into the community. You know, and tell me, it's hard sometimes leading in, in church community. I mean, one of the jokes among ministers is ministry would be great if you didn't have people. <laughs> you know, they really get in the way of the ministry, you know. But it's, people are hard, they're difficult. And, the, and by definition, in a church, it's a bunch of sinners gathered together in a broken world. Our theology totally supports that we're a pain in the neck and should be. You know, at least we shouldn't be disappointed when people are difficult, right? You should be thinking, wow, gospel truth. Good, you know. Man, that person's so difficult, it is so true we need Jesus, you know. We should be like that. Um, but I was just, you know, I, I don't want to, I didn't tell Dan I was going to mention him, but I think of like, you know, somebody like Dan submitting his leadership, because not because he's a rotten sinner, but you are, as am I. Um, we both are. Uh, but, I mean, I know for him, you know, he's a chair of our board, and he's done it for a while. He doesn't want to do it. I'm sorry, I mean, he doesn't, you know? He submits his gifts unto the Lord to be used here. Not to defer, because he says, I have the leadership gifts, and I'm called into that place, and it's a way in which I submit to the community, to, be, to serve God with the gifts I have in the midst of his people. You know, it, sometimes it'd be easier going, I don't want to deal with that. But, you know, we all have our different gifts, and we submit them into the body for its use. Um, we talk about what we want to be, uh, again, one of our goals as a church is we want to foster a caring community of disciples of Jesus. So we want to be, you know, uh, we want to be a community which reflects the kingdom of God, which are these body parts put together that people rejoice with one another and uh, you know, grieve with one another, serve one another, honor one another, encourage one another, spur one another on. Because uh, it's not just caring community, it's of disciples of Jesus. And, you know, we want every, you know, it's, it, we never want to be a church where people just come on Sunday, enjoy the show, and leave. All right? 
you know, this is a corp, this is, cor I mean, that's one of the things, the weird part with the mega church movement is a lot of people come as this first spiritual movie and leave, you know, and uh, no, we're actually a community. We're gathered together in corporate worship. We want to be getting to know one another and care for one another. That's why I want everyone, you know, small groups or Bible studies or some sort of connection point with one another. And there are churches, I know a good church where uh, they, uh, most of the people actually live in this giant building together or close to one another. And they have giant corporate meals together. Actually, Zach goes to school with some of the kids, and they all have the same meal for lunch, leftovers. You know, <laughs> so it's the same thing, whole group of them. And, uh, and I'm not saying, well, you know, we're not ideal, you know, we're not going to, I don't think we're going to move into a building together. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> and I don't think that's necessary. Although, for what it's worth, I've actually often thought that um, I would love us to have a building so people wouldn't have to live by themselves. You know, that even as people age, I would love if everyone was together and caring for one another and watching out for one another. You know, I would love that. And what an amazing outreach, I think, too, to care for others in the community. I've often thought about that. But and there's going to be limits to our community. And your church communities are going to be the end-all and be-all of all your communal life. You're going to have lots of other community pieces. And people are going to be able to commit to it to more or less. So I'm not trying to be unrealistic or saying this should be everything. But you understand that a church needs to be a community. You need to be connected to one another. You know, uh, you, need to, you need to love people and let them love you. Support others. Pray for them. And let them pray for you and care for you. You know, because you are, you don't have all the gifts, right? You, God's given you certain ones which find their fulfillment in that body, which we are together. You know, today we're going to perhaps, in communion, a giant picture of the body of Christ. You know, this is, this, is, uh, this is the act of community. All of us coming together to share in this body. And really, what is the, what's, the heart, what's the point of our community? We're not people gathered together as disciples of Jesus. We're get, people gathered at the foot of the cross. We're people gathered who have confessed that Jesus is our Lord, that have confessed our desperate need for him and we serve together. We're people who are forgiven and cleansed, who have received grace, none greater than another. There is no great, uh, you know, the, the greatest is the same as the lowest. The homeless person is no less than a president here. You know, I don't care your education level, I don't care your accomplishments. We're all in desperate need, and we come to the table, and we receive mercy from God, and we do it together with one another, to serve one another. And, let's, and today, one of, the, one of the communion traditions we don't use normally, but I want to today, is to pass the peace of Christ. Which you kind of, you know, we have peace with God, and then we have peace with one another, and we shake down and say, we are one, basically, in Him. And we have that greater shalom peace together as a community. So I want to take a moment of quiet and confess once again, and then we will pass the peace of Christ. Oh, Lord, we acknowledge that we are not, we don't come as holy, righteous people deserving of anything. We come as people who aren't the people we even know we want to be, and the things we say, the things we think, the things we do, the things we don't do. But thank you, Lord, that you know us, and you even say that within this broken minds and bodies that you have died on the cross for us. And we come today kneeling before your cross.
receiving your forgiveness and your grace. Thank you that in the name of Jesus, we are forgiven. And you have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Now have peace with one another. Pass the peace of Christ.